All right. Hallelujah. Of course, that's all anybody watching a video here when they start. Why, why did he start with that? <laughs> well, I just did. That's why. We, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 22 today. Um, last week we were in Luke 21, which obviously we're doing this a week at a time, chapter at a time. And uh, in Luke 21, um, Jesus really talks about the signs of the end of the age and the coming of the, the kingdom and what that looks like. And we discussed that and we talked about the fact that we're supposed to live like Jesus is coming back today, but we're also supposed to live like he might not come back for a hundred years. So um, it's a tension in and of itself. And that, it, you know, it's, it's certainly worth considering um, what we prioritize with our time, how we prioritize our time, what really matters, what's important, um, how easy it is to get distracted with temporary things. And we're surrounded by temporary things. And, and the things that are eternal are far less. Your relationship with God is eternal. And your relationship with other people and relationship with God is eternal. Everything else, as far as I can figure, is temporary. And yet, oftentimes the temporary wins out. And it's something for us to always think about. What really matters? What's important? Why are we doing what we're doing? And what's the motivation behind what we do? And I think that always kind of looking forward is important. And the, uh, as we move into to 22, you'll see chapter 22 as, as we're in the last week of Jesus' ministry here on earth in the flesh, um, the guys that have been with him for years are still really struggling in their paradigm of him setting up a kingdom now, uh, a political kingdom. And he's been telling them for a long time that uh, the cross was coming. And they sort of have blocked that out. They are so stuck on one stream of prophetic thought in the Old Testament of their Messiah, who would come to restore Israel to her former glory, that they, they can't even begin to in, uh, think about another very prominent stream of thought where the Messiah comes to, uh, as, a, as a lamb, not a lion, to pay the price as a sacrifice. And they, they haven't wrapped their arms around that. And, and um, again, I think it has a lot to do with thinking about the temporary and the eternal, and that Jesus is trying to get them to change their focus. He has been all along, and and uh, you know these are the guys that have put their faith in him, and Jesus loves them. You'll see as we look in 22, he's he's blessed by their decisions to follow him and how they've devoted themselves to him over those that time. But still, there's uh, they they haven't quite grasped what's coming, and so you'll see that they're shocked by the events in Luke chapter 22. When Jesus is arrested, they're shocked. They run. It is so... They just can't believe it. That Jesus, who has been in the midst of it all along, and, and they've seen the miracles and everything that he's done, and they, they, know, they, they know he's the Messiah, and they just can't grasp him being arrested. They can't, they can't figure out why he would let it happen. And, and yet, these are the events that unfold 
in Luke chapter 22. So let's, uh, let's read this a long chapter. So um, I'm going to read it uh, to you. Uh, 71 verses. And you can certainly follow along in your Bibles or in the notes. Although when there's that many verses, the notes get really small. <laughs> That's a 10-point font. So, you know, the, the, the Bibles in the pews, though, are large print. Because I, I used to have small print ones, and then when I stopped being able to see, I swapped them. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes people ask me a question, i got to grab one, and I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. I know it's in here somewhere, but it doesn't even look like English. So, if the notes are too small, pick up one of the Bibles. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Now, the feast of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. They couldn't just go up and grab him because they were afraid the people would let him have it. So they were, had been for a long time now, trying to trap him, trick him, get him to do something to turn the people against him, whatever. But he's sort of at the temple, he's teaching, the people are flocking to him, and they've got, they want him gone, but they're not sure how to get there. Then, Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, giving thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this. In remembrance of me, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, 
But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yet what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked. Get up and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us. And Jesus answered, If I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied, You are right in saying, I am. Then they said, Why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, lots of stuff in that chapter. Let's just kind of hit some of the highlights. I won't cover it all because there's not time. But the Luke 22 and the first six verses... Um, the, the 
the Jewish rulers, as we've talked about, have chosen not to follow Jesus. So all this buildup in Luke for chapters has been Jesus pushing people to the point of decision they, they, that you have to choose to follow Christ. And that, that some have, but the, the religious leaders certainly haven't. And the crowd is very wishy-washy. They, they like being around Jesus, but they really haven't decided to uh, follow after him. They haven't, like the disciples, clearly understood that he's the Messiah. Because when asked just a little while ago, the crowd has said, oh, he's like a prophet, or he's John the Baptist come back, or he's this or he's that. But only the disciples had it figured out. A very small group really has sort of plugged into this whole thing. And the, uh, the Pharisees that we've talked about have decided that they would rather have their positions and their place and their power and all the things that they've got going for them rather than accept that Jesus is the one whom God sent. And that even after seeing the miracles and, and even after discussions where they've admitted that this had to be coming from God, still deciding that that's not what they want. And, and ultimately, as the, the rulers of Israel and those who are supposed to be upholding the law coming to the point where all they want to do is have him killed. And they, they spent numerous hours and money trying to figure it out, whatever they could do. And finally, Judas uh, moved on by the evil one. And, and see, the, the picture of Judas is that... Uh, see, you have to choose to follow Jesus. Proximity is not enough. Judas was there all that time with the twelve. As close as you could get. And yet obviously had never made the choice to follow him the way the others had. He obviously was on the outskirts all along. And that at this crucial point, the enemy uses Judas to betray Jesus. And for some money, he, uh, he sells him out. And so, um, see that... That's crucial. You, I mean, you've got to see that because you, you, every, all of us have to choose to follow Christ. That's where life is. Just kind of being around it's not enough. You've got to make that choice. You've got to, to be a disciple. We've talked about the cost of a disciple is to obey. And, and that the rewards outweigh anything that the expense will ever be for us here. But, but we have to make that choice. Just being in proximity is not enough. Can't get there from being close. As evidenced by Judas. It doesn't work. So, um, that's sort of a very important point. Now, in, in verses 7 through 18, while G, uh, Judas is out sort of negotiating the, the betrayal, um, Jesus is making preparations for the Passover, the Last Supper. And you need to see the intimate detail with which Jesus is still involved because one of the things you need to know about Luke in Luke 22 is that throughout, it points to the fact that Jesus is still in control. And, and that it's very important that you know that when Jesus is arrested and when Jesus goes to the cross and when he dies, it's all under his control and in his timetable. And because he, he had to go as a willing sacrifice. That's part of the deal. And, and so all these events are still under his control, and Luke points it out in the detail of the, the Last Supper. He sends Peter and John out to go and get a room 
um, set up, and yet he tells them, because they're like, well, where are we going to do that? Remember, it's the Passover week. Jerusalem would be packed full. Every, as many people as could would have gone to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And, and Jesus says, okay, when you get to town, you'll find a guy carrying a jug of water. Do you know, you might read over that and not even think about it, but do you know why that's easy to pick that out? Because men didn't carry jugs of water typically. Women did. It was one of the things that women did. I'm not getting into a whole, you know. I'm just saying, 2,000 years ago, the women went to the well and got the water. So for a man to be carrying a jug of water, it would have been, there wouldn't have been a lot of guys carrying water around. That's all. I'm not making any deal. So everybody's good, right? Not, oh, now. But, you, you know, if you don't think about that stuff, stuff like that all over, we don't even, don't even, that was significant. You'll see a guy carrying a jug of water. Oh, we'll be able to find him right away. And they do, and they, they follow him back to the house that he's going to. I wonder, you know, if they were like secret agent guys. I don't <laughs> Taking shifts, you know, Peter and John. Okay. Um, and when they go to the house, they go to the owner of the house and say, Jesus says you'll have a room for us and he goes oh yeah upstairs it's all ready to go but uh, I think it's all in there because you need to see the detail and the involvement to which Jesus is still actively involved in the process and um, then in, in uh, 19 through uh, 22 the, the last supper takes place what we call the last supper was a Passover meal and I touched on this last week about the marriage ceremony and I want to touch on it again. That, that's evidenced in um, communion. And last week I was I was using it as a as a picture of that when when the groom proposed to the bride, he did it with a, a glass of his his own wine. And if she accepted the proposal, she drank the wine, and that meant they were betrothed. And he would then go and prepare a place for them. And only the father would be able to tell him when the place was ready. And then he would send them back. And we're in that time now. But the the the, the Passover meal is where we get communion from and it's a remembrance of that very process and the, and so the the breaking of the bread is a is a picture and it all ties in prophetically with the feasts that are being celebrated Passover unleavened bread and and um, early first fruits all hit the days on the actions of Jesus and Jesus is ultimately fulfilling seven prophetic feasts three of them at this point Pentecost has been fulfilled which is 40 50 days from then 50 days from crucifixion and resurrection. And then we're waiting on the last three feasts for his return. So all this neat prophetic stuff is going on. And all these pictures and symbols that, that we don't always get. And so when he, when he gives them the cup to drink, it's that proposal that I was talked about. And it changes. And he's basically preparing them for the fact that he's leaving. But he'll come back for them. And at some point, this is all going to make sense to them, but not yet. So this intricate meal. And, and he says, you know, I've been waiting for this meal with you guys. Because I, I think he's excited in... in see, the, the one hand, he knows what's coming up. And that's, that's, can't, he's, that's difficult. But he, he knows what's coming up and it's glorious. And so it's very ambivalent. Because he knows he's going to go to the cross. And he's, he's prepared. But 
he, he also knows he'll be taking on the sin of the world and there'll be a separation from God in a way that he's never experienced. And so he's in anguish over it. But then he knows that it makes a way for all of us and that, that he's going to go and prepare a place and come and get us and we'll be with him forever. So all these things are going on as he approaches this time. And the disciples still, in, in the next few verses, 23 to 30, still don't get it. And, and they're still thinking he's about to conquer because they've seen the power that he has they're, they're sure he's going to take over and and conquer rome and restore israel and the argument that they always have is who's going to be the top dogs in a new government and they figure they got it and they're wondering who's going to be like you know prime minister secretary of defense uh you know vice jesus if there's such i don't know <laughs> i just made that up just then I, That was pretty good, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> okay, so this is the argument, see? And, and Jesus looks at him and goes, Guys, really, you're missing it still. That's how the, the, the kings of the Gentiles do this. We're different. It's not the kingdom of God. The, the, the servant is the greatest among you, the one who's willing to serve, not someone who lords it over everybody else. And see, their arguments were always lording it over. Who's going to be better? Who's going to be the best? And, and that, that's a constant throughout what's happening. And so that argument continues. And then in the midst of it, uh, Peter, who we know was always in the midst of that argument about who would be the greatest, um, says to Jesus, I'm going to go with you wherever, no, even to death. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times today. Peter's like, never, but we know what happens. And then uh, in verses 35 through 46, Jesus goes to the garden to pray. Uh, he takes the guys and they, uh, it says they, they fall asleep from sorrow, which they, they might not understand what's going on and, and, and every, all the events, but Jesus prays, and his, his prayer is, is one of anguish, as it recounts in the gospel. He's, he's in anguish over what's happening, but ultimately says, but not my will, but yours be done. It's again a picture of the fact that, that he's ultimately in control of all of the events that are about to take place. In verses 47 through 53, Judas arrives with a mob. Um, in Luke, it just says one of the disciples cut off a guy's ear, but in one of the other gospels, we know it's Peter. And so Peter's, I mean, he's, you've got to give Peter some credit. He's, he's so far standing up pretty good. Pops out a sword and cuts off a guy's ear. That's, I, mean, that's, that's, I, don't, I don't know, it's pretty Peter-y, I guess. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Don't you love the fact that Jesus, because I have this picture, it just says he touches the ear, but I have this picture he picks, picks up the ear and sticks it back on, and it's good as new. What about that guy? Do you think he kept on with the arrest? Or do you think he was like, hmm? <laughs> they, they, they give him that title. But he, you know, if you read the book of Acts, it's, it's attributed to him. But, but uh, you know, there was a, actually in, in the first church in Jerusalem, it would have been James who was the top guy. So, I mean, if you look at it and see how it starts falling around. But, but that's a tradition, particularly of the Catholic Church, that Peter was the first pope. Peter was a fisherman. 
and uh, he was he was a very interesting character throughout. When you read the accounts of, especially when we move next into the book of Acts, you'll see that Peter was still a pretty rough guy all along. And uh, uh, you know he uh, Paul had to call him out at one point because Peter was the one who really first ministered to the Gentiles, and then he had moved away from that and and uh, was struggling with it because it was a big deal. And Paul called him to account. You know, Peter, you used to go down to the to the rib roast, and you're not anymore, and we got issues. And uh, but all the guys struggled with. But these were the, the disciples were a rough group. I mean, fishermen and tax collectors were the roughest of the groups. And so he was a tough guy. And to his credit, in verses 54 through 66, he actually is the disciple who follows Jesus. He follows along safe distance. The other guys have taken off. They've split. And you can't imagine the confusion. I'm sure that they, they couldn't figure it out. Peter goes, but he still denies him three times. And then in, in 66 through 71, um, there's this, it's a fake sort of trial anyway. All the trials are fake. This one's done in the middle of the night in one of the chief priest's house because they don't want the crowds around. They, they're trying to get it done on the quiet. And it centers around the question, tell us, are you the Christ? And Jesus' answer is, you are right in saying, I am. Remember that phrase, I am, is big, right? It's the same phrase in the Old Testament, I am. He's saying, yeah, I am. So um, people sometimes doubt the, the deity of Jesus, but it's right there. This is why the uh, Pharisees were able to say, we don't need any more testimony. He said it himself, and they, they chose not to believe it. After everything they'd seen, everything they'd witnessed, everything that had gone on, they said, that's it, you're done. And because he claimed to be the Messiah, the Christ, the one who was supposed to come. And they said no. And so that was it. The case was closed as far as they concerned, and to them, Jesus had to die. And we'll pick it up there next week. Uh, if you're watching by video, thank you for watching. And uh, if you're up there to turn off the video, please let me know that you're up there, or else i got to send somebody up there. And I don't see anybody, so Barry, start going up that direction. Uh, if you're watching in Williston, God bless you guys. Thank you. Ah, Eddie's up there. Never mind, Barry. We're going to go ahead and pray for you here with your prayer request. Please uh, pass up your prayer request to me.